0: To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot slash FilmDaily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. On today's episode... We're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Sarada. and Joining me on to this podcast is Slash Film Writers. Quietran Bowie.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Well, let's dive into it. We have some interesting stories, something that just popped up right before we were going to record, and that is Lee Winnell is going to direct The Wolfman. Chris, what do we know?
3: Yeah, so Lee Winnell, who uh, has directed several things, he directed The Invisible Man this year is now going to direct another universal horror movie. And that is the Wolfman. Um, also universal is now officially bringing in Blumhouse on this too. That wasn't official yet, but, uh, Wanell and Blumhouse have a first look deal together. So uh, they're kind of like a package deal at this point. So Blumhouse is now helping out. Uh, Ryan Gosling is starring as the Wolfman. Uh, when this story broke originally, just the news of the, the reboot broke and that Ryan Gosling was going to star in it, it was reported that uh, the story was based on an idea Ryan Gosling had come up with and also that it was partially inspired by uh, Nightcrawler, the Dan Gilroy movie uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. However, this new news states that uh, Lee Whannell, in addition to directing, is also writing a treatment for the film based on his own idea. So I don't know if that means they're just completely throwing out the Nightcrawler thing or if is taking that and adding something different to it. But uh, that's where it is at the moment.
1: Well, I think The Invisible Man might be the best movie of the year so far. And it's July. I mean, that's probably, you know, with an asterisk next to it. And I, you know I don't I, I love Nightcrawler. So what is the take on this movie? What do you what do you think? If you had to add up the stuff that we know about this, like what is a Nightcrawler take on the Wolfman?
3: Man, I don't know, because Nightcrawler is such a specific sort of story about yeah, you know this this sociopath who who exploits uh, violence to make money. You know, just he he loves the way to to film crime scenes and stuff to sell them to to news uh, stations. I don't know how you translate that to the Wolfman exactly. You know, I guess it's it's going to be about a loner figure because uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is very much this this guy who's just completely in his own world and obsessed with getting ahead um i don't know again i don't know how you translate that to the wolfman but i'm i'm a big fan of universal horror i'm a big fan of lee winnell i'm a big fan of ryan gosling so all this excites me my only uh my only caveat here my only request is that i really hope they use practical effects because there's nothing i hate more than cgi werewolves it just never looks right i mean the worst example is like van helsing which is just the worst looking <laughs> cgi werewolves like there's something about werewolf movies in particular that just they they always feel like they need to have practical effects like when you think of the great werewolves movie movies like you know american werewolf in london all that is practical that's all makeup and if you tr- if you like replace that with just cgi it's just not as effective so uh or i i have wolf. faith in lee when else so i <laughs> yes team wolf <laughs> Again, practical effects. You don't want a CGI Teen Wolf. So I'm I'm really hoping, uh, however this turns out, that's that's like my one and only sticking point that I really hopes he hope he brings in like a makeup artist to do werewolf makeup and doesn't rely on cartoony CGI.
1: What if it's like a combination of? What if it's like a hybrid? I feel like a lot of kids nowadays, when they see someone in makeup, especially with these like really you know 8k high definition cameras it can look kind of fake
3: well i don't care about those kids peter they can go <laughs> screw
2: watching the wolfman too like i don't think that's gonna be geared towards them yeah, I yeah. No, I know what
3: you're saying but it, uh yeah uh, you know obviously a combination of cgi and practical effects can work you know jurassic park is the the ultimate example of that so as long as it's not 100 percent cgi that's that's really my hope you know uh the the other recent wolfman reboot the one with benicio del toro that movie wasn't great but rick baker did the makeup for that and the makeup is, is fantastic and that, that's like the last movie he's done actually that was kind of like his his swan song he hasn't really done movie effects work since then maybe maybe he'll come out of retirement for this that would be awesome yeah oh, that would be cool
1: i also think it's interesting that ryan uh gosling Kind of has like somewhat of a, like, it seems like he has some kind of obsession with Nightcrawler. And I've always thought of Nightcrawler and Drive as kind of like a great double feature. Yeah. Yeah, they're good
2: counterpoints to each other. Or counterpoints, rather.
1: Okay, let's move on to some interesting casting news that hit yesterday after we all left the news desk. And that is that they have cast Hook for the live-action Peter Pan remake. Ht, tell us about it.
2: So Jude Law is in talks to play Captain Hook in the Disney live action remake of Peter Pan, which is called Peter Pan and Wendy, and is directed by David Lowry, who directed Pete's Dragon and a Ghost Story. Uh, Jude Law is still in talks for it, but this will basically cement, this casting will basically cement Captain Hook as the hottest fairy tale villain <laughs> uh, following in the footsteps of Jason Isaacs, Garrett Headland, and Once Upon a Time's Colin O'Donoghue's.
1: so they should just rename this right now to Hot Hook right
2: Hot Hook Hot Hook who fucks (laughs) Uh,
1: who's your favorite (laughs) who's your favorite cinematic version of Captain Hook
2: oh for me it's definitely Jason Isaacs he plays this uh, sort of Faded glam rock star version in uh, PJ Hogan's 2003 Peter Pan, which to me is still the definitive take on Peter Pan, even more so than the Disney animated version. Hot take. I I just I absolutely love that film, and um, it's I feel like to me was just the the most loyal adaptation of JM Barry's book. Um, and Jason Isaacs is just so alluring and seductive in this role and um (laughs) he has just like this charisma that is so much more interesting uh, and uh, then like the buffoonish version that we get in the the disney animated uh film and uh i i it's interesting too because this in the um in the play versions of peter pan often mr darling and captain hook are played by the same actor and they do that this in um pj hogan's hogan's film too so Jason Isaacs actually plays Mr. Darling and Captain Hook, and I think that his performance in this, which is very just like almost vampiric in that um, uh, stereotypical Dracula way that we see, like as being this temptation, uh, it plays a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting facet of like the whole film sort of coming of age themes. So I just I really love. Jason Isaac's in Peter Pan, the two thousand three version, and uh he for me is still the hottest hook. Julong, you know, he has a lot to live <laughs> up to.
1: Yeah,
3: he certainly what a, does. What about the Christopher Walken hook? He's pretty hot when he was in the, the live one where he's like dancing around and looking really <laughs> bored.
1: Wait, wait. Christopher Walken was hook?
3: He was in, in the the uh the live one where um Oh this Al- is one of
1: those on uh, like those musicals that was the musical one, yeah. yeah, with, uh, yeah.
3: Alton-
2: Williams. Williams Williams yeah yeah She yeah. played yeah. Peter
3: Pan. It was really bad. <laughs> I didn't watch <laughs> it. Uh and yeah. also
2: apologies to everyone who is uh you know attached to the Dustin Hoffman hook. I only saw that later in life and I don't really love it. So
1: <sighs> I love the Dustin Hoffman hook. I, just, uh, Chris,
2: I think it's fine.
1: Chris, as a Spielberg uh, obsessed person, where do you fall on the Dustin Hoffman hook?
3: Uh, when I was a kid, that movie was a huge deal to me. Um, in recent years, it's 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 not aged well. I don't think it's terrible. You know, some people act like it's like a, one of Spielberg's worst movies. I don't think it's that bad. Um, I think, weirdly enough, I think everything that happens before they get to Neverland is fantastic. And then the minute they get to Neverland, the movie falls apart. However, I did like Dustin Hoffman's performance, so there is that. But I'm, you know... I do think it's weird that Hollywood keeps returning to these public domain characters like Robin hood and King Arthur. And now Peter Pan, because these movies, they just end up bombing and I, I'm not sure who they're for. I guess Disney will have better luck, but you know, yeah. the, we just recently had that pan movie with Hugh Jackman, which was just atrocious and no one saw it. Yeah. So I just, I, it's very weird that Hollywood refuses to give up on these ideas.
2: I just cheap wonder. Thing, what... I guess. Well, not that cheap because they're big budget productions, but yeah,
3: they don't have to pay for the rights. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do we know what the the pitches for this Peter Pan movie? Like, mm-hmm. is it just an adaptation of the animated classic?
2: So Laurie's adaptation is uh, apparently going to be more loyal to the J.M. Barry novel and it has been described as a "quote unquote" rollicking adventure with grounded emotion. So. Still very vague, but I'm guessing it'll be something that's a little bit more loyal to the original novel and maybe a little bit less of the animated film, which is not something that is a very, um, like very big in people's memories still because it came out so long ago. Yeah,
1: I mean, I trust Lori, but whenever someone is doing a reboot and they they say the line that is going to be more faithful to the source material than the original beloved movie usually turns out to be crap, right? (laughs) I can't think of one case of when they said that, that it ended up being better, but I don't know. I'll, I'll let you guys think. Actually, if, if you, if you could think of a case write into me at peter at slash com. we'll mention it on a future episode. Uh, but okay, let's move on. We got a lot to talk about today, uh, including some movie theaters that are suing the state of New Jersey to open up theaters sooner. Chris, what is going on here?
3: Yes. Uh, in my home state of New Jersey, AMC Regal and Cinemark are suing uh, the governor. His name is Phil Murphy because uh Phil Murphy has has ordered that movie theaters can't reopen just yet, but he has allowed uh, churches to reopen. And the movie theaters are saying by allowing churches to reopen, but not movie theaters, you're uh, infringing on their First Amendment rights. So, uh, (laughs) look, I sympathize. Uh, I, I understand where these movie theaters are coming from. Here's my solution. Churches shouldn't reopen either. Nothing should be reopening right now. (laughs) Things are very bad and very scary. And there is a uh, vacuum of leadership in, in the country. And of all the governors right now, Phil Murphy is doing a pretty good job. So I have no problem with him. And again, I get it. I know movie theaters want to reopen. They want to make their money again. And they're in danger of going bankrupt. But it's it's just a bad idea and uh, so
1: yeah well we, we've we talked to death about movie theaters reopening and stuff like that i guess the big question here is if churches are allowed to reopen shouldn't movie theaters be too because like there's gonna be less people in a theater with I mean, social yeah, that's, distancing
3: that's the basis of this entire lawsuit they're saying you know if they can do it why can't we and again my my answer is don't open churches either don't open anything right now <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, I have no I really have no use for church in general, so I don't really have any dog in that fight. Um, so, yeah, again, I don't know if this lawsuit will even get anywhere or if a judge will like throw it out. But uh, that's where they are right now.
1: We've been talking a lot lately about Christopher Nolan and Tenet, which could be the first film to open in theaters uh, right now. Skittled for what, August? August or is it 12th. The- yeah, August twelfth, and we we've heard how he kind of has been pushing to to for this to open during the pandemic because he he wants to save movie theaters. And now we have a little bit more on this, Chris. What do we know?
3: Yeah, um, uh, THR has this report. Uh, it's worth noting that this is all sort of like secondhand news. It's not they didn't like get an actual quote from Christopher Nolan or anything like that. But
1: he he, he was too busy removing all the chairs from his set.
3: Yes, exactly. He had he has no time to <laughs> answer quotes. He's he's walking around getting rid of all chairs. Um so the, the story boils down to this. So in June Warner Brothers had a, a meeting with 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 Nolan via Skype or Zoom or whatever. And they said, "Look, it's probably a good idea if we push this movie back several months. Not just for safety, but also because if we open it you know, now, in the summer, there's a really good chance it's going to hurt the box office because even if movie theaters reopen, some moviegoers are going to be hesitant to return. Also, movie theaters are going to have to do social distancing so every seat can't be filled. And Nolan countered that by saying he doesn't care about the box office. He's doing this because he wants to show faith in movie theaters. Uh, it's worth noting that this all happened... In June, so I don't know if Nolan is going to change his mind on this. I, I'm tr- I'm trying very hard to give Christopher Nolan the benefit of the doubt here because I like his movies. I don't think he's like a malicious person. I don't think he's trying to be. Like, but oh. but
1: he, here's the thing, Chris: he is going to lose him and Warner Brothers because he gets back end here. Right. He he's going to lose a lot of money by opening it in August. Like it's not for his benefit whatsoever.
3: Right but i mean it's not in his benefit monetarily but it it would be in his benefit for like saying i'm the guy who who saved movie theaters bragging rights basically hubris basically <laughs> and and that's kind of where i think he's coming from and again i don't think he's doing this to be a bad guy i just think he really loves the idea of the theatrical experience and he wants to be the guy who's like who saves that but I, I don't know, man. I don't know if if, if August is going to be safe enough. Well,
1: I, I've heard he has come up with a plan to fit more people in a movie theater. The, he's going to remove all the chairs.
3: Oh, okay. Can... <laughs> Everyone okay. stands.
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody standing. Um, okay, uh, what do you think that the state is going to stick? What what is the chances? What what percent chance do you think that we'll actually see people in a movie theater in mid August seeing Tenant? <sighs>
3: 50 50 i guess um and that's not because i think things will magically get better i just think some people are uh, stupid and they don't want (laughs) to admit that this isn't going away anytime soon um you know it's all it's gonna
1: i'm not asking you if people will show up i'm asking you will it hold will the will actually be in a theater somewhere
3: i guess it, it really depends on the states like if new york and los angeles can't reopen all their theaters by august it seems very unlikely because those are like the big markets and so if if they're out of the loop i find it very hard to believe that this date will hold so i guess keep your eye on those two states
1: yeah this pandemic has kind of killed a lot of film festivals south by southwest uh can uh now fantastic fest has bit the dust hd tell us about it
2: yeah, Austin's Fantastic Fest, uh, which is a huge genre festival um, and has become a really big hub for uh, genre films in fantasy, horror, sci-fi, etc., has announced that they have canceled the 2020 edition, which would be the 16th annual Fantastic Fest, and it was originally slated to run from September 24th to October 1st. And uh, the festival is canceled completely, rather than moved online. Uh, though Fantastic Fest programmers still intend to schedule some online. Gatherings During the original dates, but not the actual festival. They do hope that they will be able to hold the festival uh, as per usual in 2021.
3: What
1: do you like? What is the future of film festivals? Like, when is the next film festival that people are actually going to be able to attend in person?
2: My thought is that film festivals would be able to return in 2021, um, but even f- uh, Sundance Film Festival, which takes place in January, is starting to look like its um, it might not be safe to return to the usual film festival circuits. Uh, Sundance is a... Re- is a- apparently planning an online component and screenings outside of Utah for its 2021 edition um, and um, but a few others a few other festivals that take place in September are still pretty confident that they're <laughs> going to be able to hold their physical festivals so the Venice Film Festival is still happening in September though it's cutting down on selections and outdoor venues oh and, and it's um, going without more outdoor venues uh, as well as the Telluride Film Festival which is also held uh, early September um and tiff uh, however is um is also held in september but they are considering a digital option instead of a physical uh festival so it seems like everyone all the festivals are a little bit in flux right now although it the, the more prestigious ones i guess you would say the the more elite ones hmm. um are the ones that are are saying that we need to still hold these these festivals but um they are kind of being out um Outweighed by a lot of festivals that want to just, you know, um, uh, value human life and uh, human <laughs> safety. So I, I, I don't think that we're going to be having any festivals in 2020 um, anytime soon. And I, <clears throat> I think that Telluride will probably end up postponing. Venice may end up just balking to uh, outcry. So um, although they're in Italy, so they're just kind of just doing what they want. And the U.S. is in far worse condition than Europe so far but um yeah i just don't think we'll be seeing any festivals uh this year.
1: Chris you had originally planned on going to TIFF you reg- like every year you go to the Toronto film festival if if they had it this year would would you go?
3: Uh i probably wouldn't be let in because canada has closed the border to the united states oh, yeah. and with good reason because we're awful. Um <laughs> if it were open i might try and go however uh the fact that tiff has committed to putting all of their films this year online they're they're gonna have 50 films and they they said in their press release they're gonna put all 50 online uh i'm i'm you know as much as i'll miss traveling to toronto because i like going there i'm i'm content to stay home and (laughs) safe and watch them online
1: yeah we also had a surprise today where they released a teaser for halloween kills online and announced a release date change tell us about that
3: Yes. So uh, Halloween Kills was originally supposed to come out this October, and we were all sort of just waiting around to see, uh, you know, if that would hold. And the answer is no. It's been moved to October 15th, 2021. Uh, That was actually going to be the release date of the the Halloween film after this, which is called Halloween Ends. And so that has now been pushed to uh, October 2022.
1: Does this disappoint you?
3: it does i mean i get why it has to happen but i was really you know I'm, i was looking forward to this but then again i was looking forward to a lot of things this year and none of them happened
1: what did you think of this teaser
3: trailer i loved it, it i mean it got me very excited you know it, it was like a, a breath of fresh air after you know endless streams of disappointing news and again i'm disappointed that the date has moved but the footage you know even to, you know, it's a brief trailer it's it's very effective and it got me very excited for this so i'm sad i have to wait but i i I think it'll be worth the wait
1: yeah and universal also uh pushed back a bunch of their other horror movies Candyman is going from september to october halloween ends is going from october 15th uh 2021 to 2022 and the forever purge is going to be released on july 9th 2021 I guess that makes sense. You got to move your next Halloween movie. If you're moving this one to the next Halloween, you got to yeah. move the next one to the, the the Halloween after that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh this is crazy. I guess you can only has every Halloween movie been released on Halloween or near Halloween?
3: No, they used to do them at random dates. I remember some of them used to come out in the summer, but honestly, you know, it just seems like a no-brainer to release them in October. So I'm glad this franchise, this, you know, this current franchise is sticking with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ready Player One was a big book. It was adapted into a movie by Steven Spielberg. And now Ernest Cline is making a sequel. Ready Player Two. I mean, it's the obvious name, right? Uh, H.J., tell us about it.
2: Ready Player Two, the long-awaited sequel to Ernest Cline's 2011 smash hit, is hitting bookshelves this November. Um, Penguin, House, Pen- Penguin Random House's imprint, Ballantine Books, has set the publication date for North America uh, for Ready Player Two on November 24th, 2020. And um, that is with international publication dates later to come uh, with um, the sequel expected to exceed the 58 countries and 37 languages that the original was published in. So pre-orders are beginning today and uh, no details have been released about the sequel's plot, uh, which likely hints at a future movie, but likely not directed by Steven Spielberg.
1: Yeah. So I I know you are not a big fan of the original book. Uh, I, I feel like a quite a few people that are friends of mine liked it as fun bathroom reading. I don't think they, you know, thought it was great, a great novel. Um, but uh, they're also fans of the 80s and stuff. So I'm wondering, what do you think? What do you think, like, the sequel could be about? Like, what is P- Player 2? Like, does that mean it's going to be, like, two people together instead of one? Or, like, is this a different person? Like, what would you, if you had to write Ready Player 2... What would it be about? Would it still be, like, so 80s-focused, maybe 90s-focused? I don't know. I'm just trying to throw out some ideas here.
2: Yeah. I'm, I don't know either because the I did read the original Ready Player One, and I have to admit that I, did, I finished the entire thing. It is written in a very sort of, like, breezy, popcorn movie way, so it's a fast read, but it's just not a very good read. Um, but <laughs> it was pretty, like – cut-and-dry ending like you know the protagonist had basically defeated the big conglomerate that was ruining pop culture or something and uh, had, was controlling this big um, virtual uh, video. What was video it was a i'm getting the verdict now but the, yeah uh, he,
1: he basically created like this vr yeah, component VR that everybody's exactly. obsessed with yeah
2: yes so um they had to basically defeat the conglomerate and they, it was a very big happy ending and it seemed like there wasn't really much that can go from there. Um, and uh, it. I don't know if it'll go into the 90s because Ernest Klein has always been a big just 80s uh pop culture mega fans. I don't know if he would go into 90s pop culture and if that's something that he would be as passionate about. So I feel like it would still stick with 80s references, though I feel like he's exhausted all the 80s references he could make <laughs> with Ready Player Ones. I don't really know what could happen. Um, I, I guess the best way he could do this is, you know, follow a new character to keep it fresh because um, the the main character was pretty gen- a pretty generic main action character and i feel yeah. like it would be more interesting to i guess uh, expand the world a little bit and go into the world more with other characters because that, that's probably the way that would be the most refreshing take on uh this series
1: yeah i, I feel like you can't just do the same thing over again it, it has to be like it, there needs to be a very unique take here so I, I guess knowing nothing about this other than the title and other than it, it's coming i'm sure already Hollywood is like thinking about making a possible sequel to the movie. And, you know, Spielberg likes to produce things, likes to produce the sequels. I'm guessing he wouldn't direct it. Who would you like to see direct? If Spielberg can't make a ready player one movie good, who can make ready player one movie good?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I feel like there hasn't been a very good, Video game set movie, but maybe Jake Kasdan, who directed Juman- the Jumanji: The Next Level and Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle movies, because I feel ah. like those films did have a good handle on that video game experience. Although it was very much about sort of that um, RPG, uh, more classic RPG experience, and I think that maybe he could bring that into a Ready Player One and make it more about the video game itself and less about just the pop culture references as as currency or something.
1: You know, who's good at incorporating that pop culture references, but also making a funny, compelling movie. Edgar Wright. I think Edgar Mm. Wright would be perfect for this. I mean, perfect for the thing that we don't even know what it is other than a title is what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Content. We gotta we gotta have content here on the, the podcast.
2: Yeah, no, and that's true. Uh, Edgar Wright did direct a very video game esque movie too, with Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. So if you could just kind of bring that touch to um, the next Ready Player One or Ready sorry Ready Player Two.
1: <laughs> Ready Player Two. Okay, we have one final story for you today, and that is the Disney version of Hamilton, which I'm sure we have all seen. It is on Disney Plus. It came out this past week. We'll talk about that on the water cooler on Friday, uh, but everybody's already starting to talk about will this be eligible for awards like will this be eligible for an oscar chris what do we know
3: it will not at least according to the academy they're saying that um, as a recorded stage production hamilton is not eligible for awards consideration so hamilton will just have to make do with all the other awards it won but not an oscar i guess what is the reasoning there I don't really know, because this article was written by our own Ben Pearson, and he filled it with puns and jokes, and I can't find the I'm, like, scanning it for the for the whole thing is written in this very punny way, and I can't find out the reasoning. He just put that in there as the quote, and that's all I've got to work with here, folks, so I'm sorry.
2: Scanning for a sign for any kind of line? <laughs>
1: <laughs> could it still be eligible for like an emmy i guess because it is television right
3: i guess yeah. but i don't know because it's streaming i don't know how those things go into consideration i, I guess like netflix could considered for emmy so i guess disney plus can too i, don't, I yeah. don't really know you know
1: so it's not even in consideration for like any of the music i guess it can't be because yeah, no oscars right
3: yeah, because for, a, for an, a film to get nominated for a song, it has to be written specifically for that film, and yeah. technically all these were written for the, the stage version, so I guess that doesn't count.
1: Yeah, I should also mention that Hamilton on Disney Plus resulted in over a half a million app downloads over the weekend. That doesn't mean that half a million people subscribe to Disney Plus, but uh half a million people downloaded the app so that i'm guessing a lot of people bought disney plus just to see hamilton i'd love to see those numbers i'm wondering if disney's even going to release data on that do you think they will
3: what's uh, the actual downloads
1: Yeah, or like do you think they'll release data on like how many people were driven to Disney? I guess they have to announce how many subscribers in their earning call, right? Like they they do that on a regular basis.
3: I'm yeah, I'm sure when that call happens they'll they'll have some numbers for us and they'll we'll relay them in the most bland, dry way possible (laughs) and we'll all fall asleep while listening to it. Yeah.
2: Circling back to the awards conversation, do you think that the Hamil- Hamilton could be eligible for the Emmys instead? Because a couple of the – Oh, yeah, live- I said that. Oh, sorry. I was apparently not paying attention. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> no. Not a pun to make. <laughs>
1: make. What? Well, wait, what is your pun to make? It,
2: well, I was trying to think. It was, it was a skinny for a sign for any kind of line. That's from Burn, right? Did I misquote it? <laughs>
1: i i i've only seen it once so i don't know i i, I can't help you with your your pun hd am sorry but, but uh i don't know i i think it would still be eligible for emmys like there, there are streaming shows right uh, well streaming movies is this a movie is this a show well they, how does that work that's a good question um, the
2: live musicals that get that get nominated and win for like the live, the TV specials, I think that category, but yeah. unless it airs on TV. I don't think it'll be eligible for that category. Yeah.
1: What about, what about golden globe? I don't know. It's a very interesting question. And I'm sure we're going to find out because there has not been that many things that have been released this year. So later this year, we will find out if Hamilton can win some more awards. So, uh, but stay tuned for our episode Friday where I'm sure we're all going to discuss Hamilton and it's uh, going to be a love fest over uh, this uh, version on Disney plus. Anyways, until then you can find more of all the stories we mentioned on today's show on slash and linked in the show notes. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send you your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, just at Peter. It's and rate and read this podcast. on iTunes, tell your friends, spread the word and we will see you on Friday.